0: Greening with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Jam-packed on a football Friday and delighted you are here and delighted to continue to try and provide the respite that Lord knows I need. And I hope that you're enjoying it as well from all of the coverage of the election and everything else. Hopefully we're working our way towards the end of that and we can get back to our lives, however it is that we do that. But in the interim, we sit here and we enjoy the football that we are getting and look forward to what could be the best football weekend of the year. It started last night with the Packers and the 49ers in San Francisco. Let me rephrase that. I'm not sure that those were really the 49ers. Perhaps we should call them the 39ers, maybe even the 29ers, through no fault of their own, a combination of injury and COVID that was a facsimile of a team that was in the Super Bowl nine months ago and a team that I think looked ready to defend that Super Bowl run this year far better than they've had the opportunity to do. The truth is that team season was over when Nick Bosa went down in Week 3. You don't recover from that. Nick Bosa, losing Nick Bosa for that team was like losing a quarterback on most teams because this isn't a team that's built around its quarterback. It was a team that was built around its defense. So they are unfortunately... Not a good barometer of what we saw on the other side as the scorched earth tour of Aaron Rodgers continued in a huge way. That is really where I want to start today. I spent this summer telling you that Aaron Rodgers was going on a scorched earth tour of the National Football League. And to this point, that is exactly what he has done to the tune of 48 and four. That is the pace that Aaron Rodgers is on. His team has played eight games. They are six and two. He has thrown 24 touchdowns and two interceptions. They came, by the way, practically on back-to-back plays in the one game they lost against the Bucks. that has everybody questioning how good they are. But Rodgers, there is no question. He's been as good as he's ever been in his career. Halfway through the season, he's 24 touchdowns and two picks. He threw 26 touchdowns all of last year. So this is a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers, in an offense where he feels much more comfortable, obviously. And last night, say what you will about the caliber of the opponent, he was brilliant. The question is, is he enough to carry this team to a championship? I asked that question this morning on Get Up to Ryan Clark. Here's what RC said.
0: Right now, Aaron Rodgers is playing the best ball we've seen him play since 2016. And he's definitely in the MVP conversation. But more than anything, he's able to carry a team again. So if you protect Aaron Rodgers and you play a little bit of defense, if he gets hot, that's how you win a Super Bowl. But the rest of the Green Bay Packers have to do their part because Aaron Rodgers is on fire right now.
1: That is what RC said. Now I'll tell you what I think time for straight talk brought to you by straight talk wireless and the straight talk is this the packers are who we thought they were don't let last night fool you this is still the same team that five days ago got run all over by the minnesota vikings this is still the same team whose defense cannot stop the run they got run over by new orleans they got run over by tampa they got run over by minnesota Aaron Rodgers is so brilliant that he can carry them to a division title. He can carry them to 12 or 13 wins. He can carry them maybe to a win in the playoffs. But when it gets to the biggest fights against the best teams, he just doesn't have the ammunition. They are who have been telling you they are just good enough to win a bunch of games and not get over the top. Because not even Aaron Rodgers can put this team over the top. When he looks to the east and the south, to Tampa Bay, and he sees Antonio Brown and Mike Evans and Scotty Miller and Chris Godwin and all of those guys, I can't imagine what thoughts must go through Aaron Rodgers' head. Because those are the guys that Tom Brady is bringing to a fight when these guys meet in January. And look at the guys that Aaron Rodgers is bringing. Devontae Adams is as good as it gets. He said last night he thinks he's the best receiver in football, and I say that's exactly what he should think. He isn't actually, but he's great. When they get Alan Lazard back, maybe he will prove to be that level of good. I've got people telling me he's that good. But last night, the Packer receiver spent a lot of time dropping balls from Aaron Rodgers and him glaring at them. Aaron Rodgers might be right now the best player in the NFL. Mahomes, Russell, Aaron, any order you want. He's playing that well. And he's just good enough to take you back to an NFC championship game, win a division, win a playoff game. But that's it. Because the Green Bay Packers organization decided it is more important to be good in three years than to try and win another championship around Aaron now. I can't tell them they're wrong for thinking that way, but I can tell them it's the opposite of the way I would think. And it's the opposite of the way I would imagine a fan would think. Now, this is spoken by someone who's never seen his team win. My team has never won a Super Bowl. So I can't imagine what it must be like, but I can tell you I'd love to find out. And if my team had a chance to sacrifice a little bit of its future in order to maximize the chance of winning a championship right now while I've got that guy at quarterback, that's what I'd want them to do. And I will never stop thinking that's what the Packers should have done. Because I'll tell you right now, they're not winning the Super Bowl this year. No way in the world are they winning the Super Bowl this year. He just doesn't have enough. I hope he winds up somewhere else in a couple of years and wins one more before he's done. Because he deserves it. Because his place in history is defined in part by only having one championship. Whether it's fair or not, we put that on the quarterbacks. That is a burden that is placed on the quarterbacks. One of the ways we judge the greatness of the quarterbacks historically is how many championships they won. I don't know if that's reasonable or not, but it is the case. And it is the reason that when we talk about the greatest quarterbacks ever, we begin with Brady and Montana and the guys with all those rings. That just is the defining factor. There are two guys right now who have one championship each, who one more Super Bowl would completely change their legacy. Rodgers is one, and Drew Brees is the other. Drew Brees is neck and neck right now with Tom Brady, and basically every historical passing record, they're passing each other like week by week on touchdowns and yards, and they face off on Sunday night. But that's another one. Drew Brees... When you talk about the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived, he is the most accomplished regular season quarterback, at least in terms of stats. He's compiled the biggest numbers of anybody. One title, one championship. It's why we don't talk about him when we talk about Montana and Breeze and Elway and some of the others. Two rings put you in a totally different class. And Aaron Rodgers deserves to be in that class. He belongs in that class because he's that good. He's Dan Marino good. Those of us who are old enough to remember seeing Dan Marino play will always tell you nobody threw the ball better than Dan Marino. Aaron Rodgers throws it that well. And he has athletic ability Dan Marino couldn't even conceive of when he was playing. Rodgers is like a combination of Elway and Marino. A young Elway. Rodgers is that good. And I hope he finds himself another championship someday before his career is over because he deserves it. And the Packers just don't seem interested in going all in on it. So don't let last night fool you. A big performance against the 29ers is not any indication that a team is ready to make a deep playoff run. The Packers are not a championship team. They're just not good enough. Their defense is going to get run over and the offense doesn't have enough weapons. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Going to get Trevor Maddich in in a couple of minutes and we'll talk about the huge college game tomorrow night. Clemson, Notre Dame game day will be there early in the day. It's one of the most interesting college matchups we've seen in a very long time because Clemson, as you well know, is going to be trying to do it without its quarterback. And Notre Dame is a team, they've sort of woken up the echoes, but only to an extent. This is the kind of game that changes your perception. This is the kind of game that changes people's perception of view. So I think everything in the world hangs in the balance for the Irish tomorrow. If they don't win this game without Trevor Lawrence on the field, then I think it'll be difficult for them to demand to be taken seriously the rest of the way, even if they probably deserve it. So we'll get Trevor in on that in a minute. The big NFL game, and we'll have time to to dive into several of them, but of course the biggest of them is the matchup where the quarterbacks are a combined 84 years old. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, 43 versus 41. Brees won the opening matchup of this season in week one, when Brady was still introducing himself to a lot of his teammates. And interestingly, these teams have gone on completely different paths since then. Brady's team has just figured it out and they have looked in many weeks like the best team in the NFL. This past Monday, they most certainly did not Monday night against the giants. The Buccaneers did not look like the best team in the NFL. In fact, if you were listening Tuesday, you know, I believe that they absolutely should have gotten called for pass interference on a two-point conversion at the end and should have been in overtime with a New York Giants football team that is flat out terrible. But this day and age to be a really good team in the NFL doesn't mean you're a good week in and week out. Consistency this year, I think, is sort of a far-fetched concept. The Buccaneers are really good. And if they play their best, they're the best team in the NFC. And they're about to get much better. Antonio Brown is going to be an enormous factor for them, starting immediately. I expect to see him play big starting Sunday night. And then on the other side, you have a New Orleans team that has a chance to completely rewrite the narrative of this season. When last seen in this matchup, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas were winning this game, and they were 1-0, and they had banked a win over Brady and the Bucks. and then Thomas went away, and it's as though we haven't seen the Saints since. They played the following Monday night against Vegas. They didn't look good. The Raiders won. And the Saints have done just enough. They are the quietest 6-2 and two in the NFL, and it's not even close. It is as though people have forgotten how good they are. And a lot of it is because Breeze has really looked his age. And I have to believe a significant factor in that is he is so dependent on Michael Thomas. That relationship is so significant between those two guys and not having had Thomas this entire time, and something funky is going on there. I can't tell you exactly what it is, but one way or another, Michael Thomas hasn't played since week one. He was hurt, then he was coming back, then he was being disciplined by the team, then he was coming back, then he got hurt in practice, now we still haven't seen him. Diana told me on the radio this morning we should expect to see Thomas and Breeze, who is not in practice Wednesday or Thursday this week, that we should expect to see them both. So that's a game that I think will completely redefine the entire narrative in the NFC this year. If the Saints go out and play big and knock off Tampa again, win the season series, take a commanding lead in the division, then welcome New Orleans to the party. Welcome to being the favorite in the NFC. If Tampa looks as good as I expect them to be and expect them to look, then the Bucks are the team to beat in the NFC from that moment forward. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance and delighted to welcome now my friend Trevor Maddich uh, in studio with the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Trevor, who is as terrific on all of the college stuff, and obviously the huge game is coming up tomorrow, and he will be co-hosting primetime on ESPN Radio tomorrow at 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Hello again, Trevor Maddich. Greeny, it's great to see you. It is great to see you as well. So let's dive right into this game, and and let's really go into it a little bit. I I was saying a moment ago as I was waiting for you to be ready to go that this feels like absolutely everything in the world is at stake for the Irish. They are a program that under Brian Kelly has never beaten a top-five team. They've woken up the echoes, but only to an extent – They have struggled, I think, with people taking them fully seriously as a true powerhouse, despite how many games they've won in recent years. Maybe it's in part because the time they got to the playoff, they got blown out by Clemson. And now they're playing against Clemson without the starting quarterback, without the star Trevor Lawrence. So however good this freshman is, and clearly he's good. It still will not. I do not think the Irish come out of this thing intact if they don't find a way to win tomorrow. What do you think is at stake
2: for Notre Dame in this game? Well, Greeny, I think from a standpoint of perception, you're absolutely right. There's no fan base in all of college football that has more angst than the Notre Dame fan base. I mean, it is hilarious to watch Twitter. They could be playing a junior college team, up two touchdowns in the first five minutes, and the fan base of Notre Dame would be worried that somehow they were going to blow it, and they'd be... Pins and needles until the end when the Irish won 60 to nothing, right? So, from a standpoint of the perception of the program, I absolutely agree. But the drama actually gets worse because it's not just that Trevor Lawrence, a quarterback, is out for Clemson. It is also that their defense has a lot of guys out on the defensive line, pass rusher. Their star linebacker, James Skowski, won't play in this game for injury. And that's a problem because he's one of the best blitzers in college football. It's one thing to blitz. And then you run into a blocker, and that's it. Skalski is one of the best at actually getting to the quarterback on a blitz. So that's something Mm -hmm. that you want to do against Ian Book. So these things add to the drama if Notre Dame does not win this game. How significant do you think the
1: lack of fans in the stands is? I, I asked that question to Tony Dungy last week, and of course he's doing the Notre Dame games on NBC. And he said, if usually home field advantage in college football is worth four points, this year it's worth no points. How Do
2: you uh, see it the same way? I, I do to a degree. Where it really will help is that the Clemson offensive line isn't as good as the Notre Dame offensive line. And on the road, not being able to hear the cadence to fire off the block is a big deal. This time, they'll be able to hear the cadence, the Clemson offensive line. They'll be as effective as they could be. They won't have that disadvantage. So from a mechanical standpoint, I think it really favors Clemson as it would as being the road team. But overall, it does make big changes that there are no fans there. Trevor Manich with me here on ESPN
1: Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Okay, let's talk about DJ Uyangalale, the freshman quarterback for Clemson, whose name everyone is figuring out how to pronounce and whose game everyone got to see last week for the first time. He's a five-star. It's not like they they have turned to someone who cannot play. But here he comes with a step-up in class from the team he faced last week in a huge game primetime on the road in that somewhat legendary environment. Tell everyone what we should expect from
2: him in this game. Well, what we should expect is, first of all, immense physical talent he's got a fastball that rivals anybody in college football. And he likes that fastball. I mean, sometimes against Boston College last week, you saw him throw touch passes, but not very much. Most of the time, if he had an opportunity to drill a football diameter hole in the chest of his receiver, he (laughs) took that opportunity. And bless the receivers' hearts, they were able to hold on to most of those balls. Also last week, he fulfilled the prime directive for freshman quarterbacks. I mean, if you're in a situation as a true freshman, where you are subbing for the Heisman candidate in a national championship run. Your first job isn't to throw the ball well. Your first job is to not freak out. And I was very impressed with how Uyunglele was able to keep his head in the game and solve problems with his mind and not just his legs, which a lot of young quarterbacks would do. As soon as they got confused, they'd take off running. If they felt threatened, they'd take off running. But Uyunglele against Boston College would have those things happen, and he would continue to process information. Now, Boston College will be a much greater order of magnitude of a problem because they can bother young quarterbacks in ways that Boston College couldn't do on defense. But I think to start with, it'll be interesting to see how he handles the mental load that Notre Dame's defense will put on him because he hasn't even imagined the intensity of what he's about to face.
1: All right, Trevor, so... Uh, here's the moment of truth. I had Heather Dinich on this morning. I had David Pollock on this morning. I had Mark Sanchez on this morning. They all picked Clemson to win this game. Who do you think wins tomorrow
2: night? Clearly, Notre Dame wins tomorrow night. Absolutely. I'm not sure what's the matter with them. I've got to find them and shake them a little bit. <laughs> Tell They're me why. Listen, Notre Dame, first of all, the injuries on the defense for Notre Dame. That's a real problem when you're trying to hold up against what may be the best offensive line in college football for Notre Dame pounding you all game long, eventually you've got to rotate guys in there and the depth suffers because of that. So does the the front line um, ability. The pass rush will suffer, especially against that good offensive line. Ian Book, the Notre Dame quarterback, will have more time to throw. Notre Dame's got issues, especially throwing to wide receivers down the field with consistency, but he'll have more time to do it. So it's not just that Lawrence is out. It's the injuries on the defensive side. And then the biggest thing, I think, as well as Lele did last week for Clemson against Boston College, this is a different problem. Notre Dame's defense has a full game to watch him to see what he likes, see what he doesn't like. He loves those fastballs. Notre Dame's defense can limit those by putting defenders in between the quarterback and the receiver. All kinds of things they can do to try to confuse him that B.C. wasn't able to do. And when it comes down to it, I think you take the experienced quarterback, even though flawed Ian Book for Notre Dame, over the young guy who's in a situation that he's never been in.
1: It would be a fascinating way. The the narrative on the entire season, if Notre Dame wins this game, would be fascinating for that reason alone. I'm rooting for it to happen. Trevor, while I have you, one more quick question. Um, I have been intrigued, well, for over a year now by the Ohio State quarterback, Justin Fields. I think he's absolutely terrific. And I've got the Mells and the McShays of the world telling me that Trevor Lawrence is the kind of prospect we come to see maybe once every 10 years or even longer than that. By the time we get to the finish... Do you believe that Justin Fields is going to make some teams who might draft at the top think
2: hard about that decision, or is it just obviously Lawrence 1 and Fields 2? Well, I, I, think some, yeah, I think it's Lawrence 1, Fields 2. The, the, one of the problems for Fields is Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins came out of that same program, Ohio State, mm-hmm. drafted in the first round, and came into the NFL and was bounced from starter to number three a couple of weeks ago in part because information coming out of that program in Washington, the franchise, was that that he wasn't growing fast enough. And he hadn't had more than one year. He had one year as a starter uh, at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And so I think people will trust Trevor Lawrence more to get up to speed faster because he's just had so many more starts than Justin Fields will, even though he will have started for two years. And so I think they will order them, Lawrence, and then Fields because Lawrence is less of a risk from a standpoint of understanding defenses, getting on the field quickly, and being able to process.
1: All right, we'll see what winds up happening. In the meantime, Trevor, uh, Trevor Manage tells us he believes Notre Dame pulls off the big win tomorrow night. It's a pleasure. It's great to see you uh, up in Bristol this week, too. It's been too long. Thanks for doing this, and I'll see you soon. Thank you, Greeny. All right, that's Trevor Manich with me here on ESPN Radio. Just getting started on this jam-packed football Friday. Coming up, we spoke and the NFL was listening. They did the right thing. I'll tell you what this was, and I will invite you to be a part of Greeny Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. The college football season is heating up, and so is your favorite Dr. Pepper-loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. The NFL did the right thing, and I'll tell you what that was next. Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. Half past the hour with me, Greeny, and I want you to let you know that not only are we here with you every single day on ESPN Radio and all these stations across the country and on Sirius XM and on the ESPN app, but beginning Monday, you will be able to stream this show every day on ESPN Plus, along with Max's show and Dan Lebertard and Stu Gatz and Cheney Golick Jr. Plus, you get all the live sports and exclusive originals and a whole lot more. You can sign up now at ESPNPlus.com, so just another way that... You and I can hang out together every single day of the week as we talk about sports and try and work our way through these crazy times that we're living through with a smile on our face. I'm delighted that you are here. So um, here is what I told you a couple of weeks ago, that when it comes to the coronavirus, there's nothing on earth I feel like talking about less. I am a sportscaster in large part because I don't feel like talking about things like the coronavirus. Coronavirus. Real serious journalists have to talk about the coronavirus. I get to talk about whether Aaron Rodgers has enough help to try and win a championship. That's my lot in life, and that's candidly what I want to do. But in this case, the two have inextricably become linked because the National Football League is trying to walk this high wire with no net. They're walking over a raging torrent, whatever, whatever the, the scariest high wire act you can possibly walk is. And the whole thing could come apart at any minute. And I told you that I I admire like crazy the fact that they've gotten this far and that they have to treat absolutely everything as secondary to getting to the finish line. Everyone's best interests are served by that. And so with the Las Vegas Raiders, I told you this a couple of weeks ago, who just continuously, for reasons known only to them, continue to just flaunt their disregard for the protocols that something serious had to be done. I suggested the league needed to take away a draft pick from the Las Vegas Raiders. And yesterday, that's exactly what they did. The Raiders fined a half a million dollars stripped of a sixth-round pick in the 21 draft, and Coach John Gruden fined an additional $150,000 for what was described to ESPN as, quote, brazen and repeated violations of COVID-19 protocols. Let me make my position on this as clear as I possibly can. This has nothing to do with how seriously you take the coronavirus. I take it very seriously. I believe it should be taken very seriously. How this became sort of a a topic of debate in America, I think I will never understand. But that isn't even the point of the conversation. I think everyone can agree that if this thing, which is now running rampant, we had 120-something thousand people test positive in this country yesterday. If the NFL is going to somehow manage to work its way all the way to a conclusion, which all of us want, if you're listening to this show, it's because you're a football fan. So you, like me, want this thing to work. I want these games played on Thursdays, Saturdays, Sundays, Mondays. We want to watch them. This stuff has to be followed to the letter. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that, that, that we, I want to punish the Raiders because they're bad people. I love John. I've known John forever. John worked at ESPN for 10 years, 11 years, uh, while he was in between coaching jobs. He was on Mike and Mike every Wednesday. and He's terrific. I'm not looking to punish John, but I think that the the point of a punishment is a deterrent. You have to send a stern message to every team in the NFL. If you don't follow these guidelines, we're going to take draft picks away because the alternative is we're not playing Sunday. We need these games. Everyone needs them. The teams need them. The league needs them. The fans need them. The networks need them. All of us need them. So, I'm not sitting here telling you I think these are bad people. I'm telling you I think that they, a message needed to be sent by the NFL just how seriously this stuff should be taken for anyone who for whatever reason has decided they weren't going to take it seriously enough. And that's what they did. And so once again, I commend them for it. I think that the NFL top to bottom has done an extremely good job in managing its season in this era of the pandemic. Hopefully it's something that we'll never have to worry about again in our lifetimes starting sometime reasonably soon, but until then, they got to do it right. So again, I think the league got it right with regard to the Raiders. Greening with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive celebrating eight years of donating cars to veterans in need. Learn more at All All right, next order of business here is a pretty simple one. We played a little game of quarterback musical chairs on television this morning, and I think you will find this interesting. There's so much speculation about Jimmy Garoppolo's future in San Francisco. They can walk away from him. It isn't exactly scot-free, but for all intents and purposes, if the 49ers decide they want to go a different direction at quarterback next year, they can do so. And I don't know that that's fully fair. By and large, all Garoppolo has done is win when he's been healthy, and all that team has done is lose when he's not been. So I think that he has become something of an unfair target of any criticism that exists of a team that was in the Super Bowl a year ago. But I thought and I will continue to believe Kyle Shanahan, the much credited coach of the 49ers, one of the great offensive coaches we have in the sport. I think he told you everything he thinks about Garoppolo with the way he coached the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl. He was more than anything afraid his quarterback was going to lose him that game. So, I think that there is a good chance they do move on. So we looked at it this morning, and we were considering what might happen if the 49ers decided they want a different quarterback. My immediate reaction is the obvious candidate is Matt Ryan. The money's going to be a little bit difficult to figure out, but Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Atlanta when Matt Ryan had his best season. He won MVP of the league. They went to the Super Bowl that year. They didn't win it, but they were up 28-3. A lot of things went wrong from there, but generally speaking, Ryan was terrific. And he's only 35 years old now. He'll be 36. I think the Falcons might be on the verge of entering into a total rebuild. And if they are, it may not make sense to build it around a 36 year old quarterback. And he may want to take another shot at a championship while he still has that shot. So I think that might be a move that makes a lot of sense for everybody. I then threw that open to the group. There's two of them I want you to hear because they were both fascinating. The first one from Rob Ninkovich. When the topic came up of Jimmy Garoppolo no longer being the quarterback in San Francisco, I said to Ninkovich, what do you think would happen to Jimmy G? Here's what he said.
2: I think he'll be a New England Patriot. And, and listen, I, when's the last time you've seen Bill Belichick walk up to the opposing team's quarterback after they lost 33-6 to six and give him a little tap on the back and, and give him a handshake? I mean, I don't think I've seen that from any other quarterback that's ever beat the patriots so when i think about jimmy g in the, with his with the 49ers there's really nothing that that is going to hurt them if they just cut him loose i mean he's already made most of his money um so i could see maybe jimmy g going to the patriots
1: he likes jimmy g back where it all began with bill and we all remember it's now whatever it is five years ago when the belief was that Bill wanted to move on from Brady then and go to Garoppolo. Obviously, staying with Brady was a million percent the right thing to do. They went to three more Super Bowls and won two of them after that decision was made. But if Brady has always continued to believe in Garoppolo, then maybe that is a move he'd be interested in making. That's one of the possibilities on the table. We'll play a little more of this musical chairs as we continue. I have another one from Mark Sanchez. I want to play you, but I don't want to get late here because I want to save some time. Because coming up as this hour continues, up next I'm going to tell you the one player who was under the most pressure in the entire NFL this week, and then we will go live to Miami where they have made a fascinating decision, and we
3: need to figure out why. Greeny, the podcast. H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to
1: be. Tua is one of the two players that I think are under the most pressure to play big this weekend. The other one is Nick Foles. Nick Foles, I think, is not just playing for the Bears' season in an interesting game against the Titans. But I think he's playing for his career as a starter. I sat down. I looked at it today. I believe that if he doesn't make it this year, if he doesn't turn this season the way Matt Nagy believes he can with the Bears, whose record is not indicative of the way they've actually played, they're not going to make the playoffs. And I don't think there's a team in the NFL that will look at him as their starting quarterback for next season. I believe the Bears would go a new direction. And I believe Nick Foles would then become a backup, which... Many people believe is what he really is best suited to be. But I have to believe he wants to be a starting quarterback. And I know him a little and happen to like him a lot. So I'd like to see him find a way to do that. He needs to get hot. The story of Nick Foles' career has been he gets hot. He's streaky. He needs to do it now. He needs to do it starting this week. Because if they lose to Tennessee and look bad doing it, the world is going to give up on them. And I think the stand is going to start running through the hourglass fast. So I think there's a lot of pressure on him to succeed. There was also a lot of pressure on Tua, the rookie who gets thrown in as the starting quarterback right in the middle of a playoff chase. The Dolphins are very much in a position to make a run at the AFC East. The Bills do not look invulnerable to me. And the Dolphins play a really interesting game this weekend against Arizona. And joining me now is the former Dolphin from 790. The ticket now down in Miami, Channing Crowder is back with me on the Shell Pen twelve performance line. Channing, Help me through some of this. There's all of this sort of back and forth about the degree to which the organization, people above the coach, want to see Tua on the field. What do you know about the way this decision got made?
0: Well, we we talked last week, Greeny, and we were speaking about how that uh, bye week got moved up to give Tua two weeks to get prepared. And then Adam Schefter comes out with a report and saying that they want to see what Tua has because, you know, last year they traded away um, Larry Tunsil to the Houston Texans, and he is a he's a Pro Bowl tackle, and they trade him away for their first round pick. And now Houston's not doing well. So if Tua is the quarterback that they think he can be, and they draft him to be, then yes, you can go a different direction with their top five pick. But I would say the NFL's about acquiring talent, and I don't like the, the Trey Lance guy doesn't do it for me, Greeny. The um, even Justin Fields, you know, spectacular athlete, he doesn't do it for me. But if Trevor Lawrence is available and you have a top five pick, you have to look into him. So. You know, the uh, um, Brian Flores came out yesterday and said, that's not the situation. We're not having a 10-game, you know, sample size of Tua and moving on from him. But I would say, Greening, if you have a chance to give Trevor Lawrence uh, you know, a generational talent, you have to look into it. And I think that's where the rumors are coming from.
1: I get that. And, and, and it makes sense. But the problem is that Tua is the guy that people spent two years tanking for in the NFL, or at least two years talking about it. And one game in... It feels like the world is kind of forgetting that. So what do you expect him to do in this game Sunday against Kyler Murray?
0: I expect him to do well, uh, Greeny. He, he, we brought our Ferrari out the, out of the garage for the first time, and we didn't take it out of second gear. Hmm. We rode 25 miles per hour down the road because the Dolphin, the Dolphin defense, Greeny, had a 28-point lead, you know, 28 points in the first half, four turnovers, two interceptions, two forced fumbles. Um, Brian Flores, he knows, he knows how to beat uh, McShay. We saw it in the Super Bowl when the Patriots and the Rams played. He just knows Sean, Sean sorry, McVay, Sean McVay's McVay system. Yeah. So he was on top of Sean McVay just like he was in the Super Bowl a couple years back. So Tua really didn't have to do much. We, he, he made some pretty, pretty throws. His longest drive was 33-yard drive. He only had 93 yards passing. The entire offense had 145 yards, total yards, Greeny, in a game, 145 and one by 11 points because the defensive special teams were so dominant. So they weren't asking Tua to do a lot. And I think that's where, if you if you didn't watch the game and watch this stat line, 12 of 22, 93 yards, that's not what Burrow's doing. That's not what Herbert's doing, and that's who he's being compared to. And Kyler Murray, and Deshaun Watson, and all these young quarterbacks that are playing well right now. So the numbers didn't bear it out, but Tua did look a, a little overwhelmed maybe in the first couple drives. That sack force fumble, his you know, he he just picked the clock up, worked a little faster. But as he got comfortable, I was I was impressed with the eye test even watching and seeing that they were going to take him out of second gear.
1: Shannon Crowder with me from Miami here. So what are you hearing from the people close to it? Do they expect him to be great? I have been, I've been sort of pounding the table saying this is a playoff team. The bills are a team that can be caught. The Patriots look completely finished. The dolphins have a, certainly a playoff caliber defense. If he plays well, if he is special, if he is the guy that people were tanking for, I think they can win the division this year.
0: And I think putting him in the game, actually, you know, uh, against what other people are saying is a positive and not a negative over Fitzpatrick. We know 50. Everybody loves Fitzy. He's a fun guy. 50 is an 8-8 eight eight quarterback. He's a 500 quarterback. And it's crazy, Greening, because he gave two of the team at 500. He was 3-3 three and three when Tua took over. So, to your point about Buffalo, I think there's a better chance to catch Buffalo at five and two, and Dolphins of the four and three. With Tua, it's even or even better because this young man, we know he's a better quarterback. We have watched him come back as a freshman against Georgia. We've watched greatness out of Tua Tonga Valoa, and one game that he really wasn't asked to do a lot. I think that was, you know, that, that was an outlier. I believe the Arizona offense is gonna is gonna score. They're they're very talented. Kyler's a you know, a great runner and the Dolphins has they have trouble stopping the run. So I believe Arizona's gonna score and that's gonna force Brian Flores and Chan Gailey to put it on Tua's shoulders. Tua. Go prove to us. If it is a rumor that we're that we're trying you out, well go prove to us that you're the guy so we don't have to be concerned with the quarterback position for fifteen years. Me personally, to answer your question, Greeny, I believe in Tua, and I think you're going you're gonna to start seeing what we saw at Alabama. You're going to start seeing the greatness that everybody expected out of him coming out.
1: All right, maybe it starts this Sunday. Channing, good to talk to you as always. Thanks for jumping in here.
0: Anytime, Greeny. Appreciate it, bro. All
1: right, Channing Crowder with me from Miami. Listen, I think that's, a really, that's one of the most interesting games of the weekend, and the Dolphins could find themselves in the best situation of any team in the sport. If they wind up with a top-two pick, and they figure out that Tua Tungavailoa is their quarterback of the future. That's the best-case scenario. If Tua is who we think he is, so they don't need to use that pick and they can sell it for a king's ransom to some team that's dying for it, the Dolphins, like that, could be a Super Bowl team. Back in a moment, Ryan Clark joins me next, ESPN Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Greedy, the podcast. You can get more from Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN News. And don't miss Greeny on Get Up every morning at 8 Eastern on ESPN. Greeny, the podcast.